is Rhea. And this is Just the Who of Us, where we talk about a range of topics, including life events, current events, spirituality, entertainment, family relationships, as well as answering listener questions and more. All right. All right. <laughs> Get it together. Okay. So today with us, we have Candace Tozer here to speak on trauma healing and Trauma healing is is something that is really kind of close to me because my podcast actually kind of started with talking about trauma. Um, the first, not the first episode, but like it seemed like the second episode and quite a few in, I had people coming on, they were talking about their traumas. And then we started bringing people on to discuss other things, um, their careers and and coaching and things like that um but so trauma has a a special place for me because it just has been something that I that often talk about um so having you here to talk about trauma healing is uh, I'm excited about it because it's kind of bringing me back to the beginning you know um (laughs) so tell us a little bit what's that Full circle. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Full circle. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about not who you are and what you do yet. Tell us a little bit about you and kind of what brought you into what you do. Absolutely. So I would say that pretty much an existence of trauma led me to where I am today. I would say that pretty much from the moment I was pretty much born up until gosh my mid-20s I had a pretty rough start it just felt like the odds were stacked against me in every way shape or form and I kind of got to a point in my life looking back at everything that I had experienced and had a moment where I was like what the heck I was like what am I what am I supposed to do with all of this how am I supposed to get on with my life after having gone through all of this. And you kind of have a moment where you go, please tell me this is not going to be the rest of my life. Please tell me that this is not going to be me for the rest of my life. And I realized that I got myself into a loop of behavior based on the trauma that I had not met throughout my life. And it was really at a pivotal stage where I was like, something's got to give, something's got to change because this is not sustainable. And Honestly, I don't know who I am. In the midst of all of this, I have been holding my breath, moving through life. And honestly, can I say that I'm loving life right now? No, I can honestly say it's been hard, it's been tough, and it's been a horrible road to walk. And it got to the point where I fell pregnant with my son around about the age of 21. So I was a really, really young mom. And I realized, oh my gosh, I have to do things differently. It just hit me like a ton of bricks that I wanted to do things differently. But at that point, I was so consumed by being a product of my circumstances, being a product of everything I'd gone through, living through that identity of shame and blame, and you'll never amount to anything. You're this, you're that. All of the identities that we put on ourselves through trauma, through programming, through society, that I realized, okay, well, if I'm going to give my son the best opportunity at being a kind of well-rounded sort of nice human being I needed to really shift into understanding what made me me because I realized there had to be more there had to be something underneath all of the pain all of the grief all of the hardship 
that was truly me because I didn't understand that I could come into this world and not be perfect. You know, there was always that innate knowing that at some point before all the kind of the shit hit the fan, I was perfect. I was whole and I didn't, I didn't ask for any of it. So living in that place of accepting my circumstances to make me who I was as a byproduct of that, I was like, no, I get to make a choice, damn it. Like I get to actually choose how I want to go forward. And yeah, it's kind of at that point where I realized that I didn't have to be defined by it anymore. Like I could actually move forward into using it as an opportunity to grow, to be empathetic to other people that had gone through similar journeys. And yeah, it kind of catapulted me into many, many deep, dark depths (laughs) of soul discovery. (laughs) It was hectic because the thing is what nobody tells you about trauma is rather you have two choices. Either you can deal with it as it comes up as an ongoing process Or you can just ignore it and ignore it and ignore it and get to the age of 21 where you've now got compounded interest of trauma sitting in your field, sitting in your physical body. And now you've got to go, okay, 21 years of trauma, let's have at it. And it's like, well, maybe traveling the road of consistency and trauma release and checking in on a daily basis would probably be more beneficial, but it's not what I knew. So I would definitely say to anybody, if you get given the choice to deal with your trauma as it comes up, do that. <laughs> it's much yeah. easier for you in the long run. Yeah. You don't have to hit rock bottom. I mean, rock bottom is a great place to get to if you have to be forced there because you have no choice but to face yourself. But if you have a choice and you can navigate your path in a way that allows you to do it more gently, do it that way. <laughs> it's much better (laughs) yeah so I definitely can say I'm navigating that path now where I can see okay I don't want to actually hit rock bottom again so now I'm equipping myself to daily deal with the stuff as it comes up it's much much nicer (laughs) yeah yeah and it and and your rock bottom though can be different for for different people but (laughs) you know especially when you become a parent it's kind of like, oh shit, I like, I got more than just myself to do this for now, you know? And I think it's oftentimes in our parenting where we realize, oh, this is a trauma. Oh, maybe this is why I, you know, I, I yell, I do this, I react this way or, you know, whatever, because, it's a result of a trauma that I experienced or yeah. it's a result of me. This is how I quote unquote work through the trauma or just get through. I spent a lot of my life, like not allowing myself to feel emotions. I was great at anger and I still, that's something that I still work through, like easily getting aggressive or frustrated. But I spent a lot of my life, like not allowing myself to be emotional. And then when it came to the point where I had this turning point and I was like, okay, but this is a big problem and you have people that you're teaching to be this way. Um, there's a big difference in my older kids and my younger kids emotionally. Yes. And their reactions to things and things like that. And they're older and they're working on certain things, but you know, I can look back and tell that what different kind of parent I was with different kids by certain things like that and my I was definitely very traumatized and unhealed with my older kids 
Um, now they're fucking amazing people. Don't get me wrong. You know, that's, but you know, I can tell the difference emotionally. Um, so yeah, it's like, Oh wait, (laughs) I got these people that I'm teaching. And then too, you start to notice certain things. You're like, why is this kid so aggressive? Why is this kid? So this, why do you yell so much? Why you blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, that's because that's what you taught them. That's actually yeah. a discussion for the other podcast. But <laughs> yep. you know, you created many. Ways. <laughs> I, I'm I'm naturally a mom, so everything correlates initially to parenting. But anyway, so you know, and and then this kind of it negates other relationships and your careers and, and everything like that. So. most of the time like you said it's kind of like this point where like oh shit I can't live like this anymore you know um do you mind sharing what that was for you and if not perfectly fine I think for me is I went through growing up I went through a lot of sexual trauma like a lot of sexual abuse from like a young age throughout into like my teenagehood into my early adult years yeah and eventually I would be sharing my story with people and they'd go how Kenneth's like, how have you gone through so much? Like, yeah, like one time, maybe two. But like when you're counting like five, six, seven, eight, nine times, like I started to realize, oh my gosh, am I stuck in a loop of creating relationships where I'm at the hands of abuse? Like I started questioning if this is something that is happening so regularly where where is the where is the connecting dot where is the the reason why this is happening like this and I think a lot of the time people don't realize that once you've had one trauma you become conditioned to almost accepting that that's your default setting so instead of processing the first sexual abuse as I had as a child it became a standard of which I was now programmed to believe that I was safe and all I knew. And so in seeking that safety, I was seeking abusive relationships and more and more abuse because that's all I'd known. So it took me getting to a point where I was like, enough is enough. enough. Like how much more of this am I going to take? And you also get to a point with trauma where it becomes almost normal. Like you, you'll tell people and they'll go, Candice, but that's not okay. Like that's not normal. And you're like, oh, well, that's just like everyday life for me, you know, and you start to recognize, oh my gosh, it's become my program. It's become my survival mechanism. If I don't have that trauma in my life, who am I? Yeah. And good God, that's so scary because when yeah. you realize that you've created your entire persona based on your story and now you've got to try and take that away, like who the hell are you when yeah. you can't identify with that anymore? Yeah, And I just realized like there were so many things within my life that I was like starting to draw all of these parallels. And I was like, oh, my word, like as much as I could understand that there was a lot to do with, you know, innocence and childhood that wasn't my fault. I was just perpetuating the cycle of childhood trauma and just continuing it on as a default setting and a program. And also I got into a survival mechanism because I recognized if I faced my pain at that point, I probably wouldn't have survived. So I was kind of getting to that point where I was kind of allowing the ego to keep me alive because facing the trauma at that point in my life was just not an option. I was like, no, 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 no. I wasn't in a mental state where even remotely addressing it was going to be an option for me. 
Yeah. And weirdly enough, that's exactly what I needed to do. Even though I was feeling like this is the end, had I actually yeah. faced my trauma the third, second, third time, I would have been able to get out of that loop of self-sabotage. But of course, when you're in it, you don't see the exit door. You don't see any way out of it. Right. And I think it, really just, it got to a point where I just started realizing that I was really participating in creating my own shits. And I actually just decided I wanted better, you know, and when you become responsible for children, especially, you can't even imagine. I became so petrified that the same cycles that I'd gone through with various degrees of abuse, trauma, really terrible experiences was going to be perpetrated on my kids. And then when you start to witness an innocent child with that possible risk, for some reason, you don't see it for yourself. But you want to now keep these kids safe. You'll do everything in your power, not for them to repeat the same things you went through. And it dawned on me one day, I was like, what about my inner child? I was like, here I am pouring my heart and soul into these external children of mine. What about my inner child? What about that inner child that I've neglected to actually reparent and actually tell she's okay? You know, and it was in that kind of taking responsibility for my kids that I realized whoa if I'm going to take responsibility for bringing them up in a conscious way I need to take responsibility of reparenting myself yeah and that's when it was like (laughs) oh god okay so and yeah like the first like five years of my son's life I was really in the depths of trying to figure that out so I can definitely say it was up and down (laughs) yeah so you're and you're in limbo because you know that you want to do better And you know that you want to see better, but there's almost like you just don't know how. And it was kind of at that point that I was like trying to find the ways of dealing with trauma. And I didn't really have all of the tools at that point. So you end up beating yourself up quite hard. Like when you fail, it really feels like a failure when actually you're just shedding all of these layers and you're growing into yourself and you're reparenting yourself. And it takes time and it takes grace and it takes understanding and it takes so much courage but you're just beating yourself with the shame stick the whole time. And so some days you get it right. Some days you get it wrong. And when you get it wrong, you feel like you've taken 20 steps back and you beat yourself up again. And so you go. And then I'd say pretty much into like the first year of my daughter's life, like she's five years younger than my son. I just, I woke up the one day and I was like, right, I'm done. Like I need to get rid of everything that is possibly plaguing me right now because I'm honestly not, Obviously, I'm not doing it right. Yeah. <laughs> that was my theory on it. I was like, I'm I'm trying to analytically go in my head and be like, what happened? Are you okay? But no one had ever told me that trauma was a feeling thing. Like, you need to feel your pain. You need to be with your pain. They're yeah. like, just talk about it. Go see a psychologist. Pop some happy pills. That will right all the wrongs <laughs> in your life. You'll be good. And I was like, okay. (laughs) Meanwhile, like I was getting more depressed on the antidepressants and talk therapy was just perpetuating the cycle of me going, I don't want to look at my trauma again and again and again and again in this way. And I was actually just re-injuring myself every time I did that. And then eventually just by like, I swear the grace of miracles, there were so many people that just came into my life and they're like, have you thought about doing this? Have you thought about trying this? And all of a sudden, like my eyes were just open to all of these alternative modalities that really, really encompassed what it meant to feel 
because I'd been on autopilot for the longest time. Mm-hmm. And I was so disconnected from anything, any feeling, whether it was joy or whether it was pain, I was just disconnected from it. I was just this autopilot robot surviving, not even thriving, just surviving, getting from one day to the next. Yeah. And when you have a baby, especially, and you are exhausted and the days roll into themselves and you are at your lowest with your self-worth, now trying to navigate, trying to release trauma on top of that, it's a it's a spiral for recipe disaster. Yeah, so well then there's those emotions. <laughs> you nobody tells you about that. Right. Nobody tells you about that. Yeah. And, you know, you, you're sitting there going, I should be feeling a certain way. I've got so much to be grateful for. It's and I did. I had, you're supposed to be happy. And yeah. This is the happiest day of your life. And I'm sitting yeah. there going, why do I not feel anything? I feel yeah. nothing. And it was at that point where I really, really hit rock bottom. And I was holding everything together for everybody except for myself. And I realized, like, actually, I've got to start feeling. I have got to start feeling. This is getting dangerous now. And it really got to the point where I recognized that I was pouring all of my energy into everything else. So I was a workaholic. I would literally just throw myself into corporate work for hours and hours. I'd work weekends. I'd work nights. I'd be constantly on call. I'd then be a parent to two kids. I'd try and be a wife, try and Mm -hmm. run a home. I'd busy myself with absolutely everything, but actually coming into facing myself because I was too afraid to feel And I knew that once the tears started, there was going to be no way of going back because it was like 20 years of crying that needed to come out. Uh I just felt like at that time, I didn't have time to be inconvenienced. I was like, nah, maybe next year when I take some holiday time, I'll go on some self-care. I don't know, walks, you know, like we seem to think that trauma release is just something that we can delay it's just something that we can catch up with on a good you know coffee date next week Friday when we're (laughs) feeding up to it it's not what people don't tell you is that when you suppress your trauma in that way you will hit rock bottom whether it's physically in terms of illness whether it's mentally with burnout nobody tells you that if you suppress your emotions and you don't do something to regulate them and feel them you will get to that place it's undeniable whether it takes you 20 years whether it takes you one month you will get to that place yeah and then everything falls apart because now you're facing losing your job or you're facing being in hospital or you're facing being away from your kids whatever the case may be you know and I got to that place I got to that place where I literally I fell properly apart And that was the way I've called to go. I've got two kids that are dependent on me. My marriage by my own doing completely fell apart, completely. And looking back, I can completely see why, because I wasn't a human. I wasn't present. I wasn't giving. I wasn't doing pretty much anything other than being this really active, proactive, career-driven woman, you know, and even to the extent that I'm hiding behind Botox and lashes and nails and fillers and makeup to present this ideal woman to the world. Like nobody had a clue that Mm -hmm. I was not okay. Like I hid it so well and I even hid it from myself. And that was what made it so scary was that I could even hide it from myself. And I would just keep going and I would just keep going and it's okay. Just carry on. If you stop, that's when everything's going to fall apart. So then I would just, I would just make myself busy the whole time. 
and <clears throat> eventually it catches up with you and you know the blessing of COVID was that it did COVID happened and I had a choice to either leave my job and not be there for my kid or well, leave my job and be there for my kids yeah. or stay at work and somehow find a way of looking after my kids <laughs> right wasn't yeah. gonna happen so I was forced to resign from my job and I did and yeah from there a lot of time to really face off with myself and I just I had the most insane awakening of my life where it was just like wow like <laughs> you can look at everything mm-hmm. possible and I did and I cried and I screamed and I shouted and I wrote letters and I burnt them and I disowned family and I let go of a lot of toxic things in my life and slowly but surely got rid of the Botox, got rid of the fillers, got rid of the makeup, started peeling back all of these like layers of myself that I didn't even know was there. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is raw. Like, what is this? And it was yeah. the first time in my life that I was like, this is Candace. And I was like, and I get to now decide who I want to be. You know, yeah. who is who is this? Who is the thing? Who is the skeleton underneath all of the stuff that I've been carrying? And yeah, it was it was brutal. It was really, really be- like brutal. But it it also also really catapulted me into my purpose. I realized that you know I was in a place where I wanted to help people and really identify that I could help people understand their trauma better. Um, through a very deep process of embodiments it was really wild but it catapulted me into a space of realizing that absolutely everything that I went through was to grow me into empathy it was to give me a capacity to just understand other people in a way that people who have not gone through similar situations could never relate to people. You know, it always really annoyed me when people would be like, like after my mom passed away, they'd be like, Oh, I'm so sorry. I understand. And I'm busy looking at them with their entire family next to them. And I'm like, no, you don't, you don't get it at all. And for me, it was really about understanding that now I had this extra tool in terms of being able to really relate to people and really be able to say to them I get it because I do you know like pretty much everything that people face in their life I've gone through and because I've embodied the process of understanding how to release trauma in through all of the think trial and errors that I went through and (laughs) there were a lot (laughs) apparently an Epsom salt bath doesn't take away all your pain (laughs) I tried (laughs) 20 kilos of Epsom salt later (laughs) so yeah I recognized that there was a lot of like trial and error that came with my journey but it was necessary for me to kind of iron out what does actually work for me and what doesn't work for me and ultimately I ended up formulating my own methodology around trauma release and what it works for me and so I share that now it's just a process of going okay well I don't want to regurgitate what other people have learned for themselves because I tried their method and it didn't work for me. So the only thing that I can do is embody what I've learned and in my most authentic self, share that because that's honestly the only truth of what I know. And in doing that, I can really help people in a very authentic way. And even going into my sessions with my clients now, I do it with them. And I'll say to them, listen, this is the method of, 
inner child healing or whatever. And I'll say, okay, let me pull up a memory. Let me go into presence. Let me find, I'm sure there is something in there. And there already always is. I'm like, come on. <laughs> and I do it with them. And I show them that I'm no different to anybody else. Just because I've been doing this for a while now, doesn't mean yeah. that I'm ever going to stop doing it because that's the nature of being a human being. You are always going to have circumstances that are tra- traumatic or triggering or difficult or challenging or highly charged like that's the nature of being a human being <clears throat> unless you're a monk in the middle of the Himalayan mountains somewhere or whatever you yeah. are not going to have a human experience that isn't filled with challenges at some point to a lesser or more degree and yeah. what trauma release enables you to do is to go, okay, I actually don't have to have a nervous breakdown every time someone says my name in an aggravated voice. Like I can actually regulate myself and deal with it in the most authentic, sovereign way. Um, so it's been a journey, but it's it's been beautiful. Like I couldn't couldn't even imagine 10 years ago being on the other side of all that I went through. Like it's, it's quite something and it's beautiful because now when people say to me, tell me about your life, it's not when I was this age, I was this, when I was this age, this happened to me. It's I'm Candace. This is who I am now. It's not, let me regurgitate the years of my life. So you know who I am right? (laughs) because we become so fiercely attached to those labels. It's just crazy. Yeah. So it's beautiful. I'm just, I'm just me now in this moment. I am that I am. And it's, it's taken a long time to get to that point. Um, yeah. So it's been a journey. Yeah. <laughs> you know, one thing as far as like the self-identifying, uh, one thing I remember when I was working on a writing project and the publisher was like, tell me who you are. And of course I start off, well, I'm a mom, I'm a wife. And they're like, no, like, tell me who you are. And I'm like, but that's what I am, (laughs) you know? And, and while those things are important, sometimes we all often start with, I'm a so-and-so survivor or, I'm you know, this experience that I've had, which doesn't take the significance, right? Because nothing will take away the significance that I am a, a, a mom and now a wife. And, but so many times we don't, what do I like to do? that's part of who I am too. You know, we get so kind of like start drowning in all these other things and responsibilities and, or, you know, our career or whatever it may be, but who we are doesn't have to consist of, like you said, the bad and the things from our past. Cause I made a post years ago and, and I think it was on Twitter. I don't really use Twitter now, but <laughs> years passed and I went on Twitter and the things that I saw on my feed, like I made a post and I was like, I'm a slut. I'm a bad person. I'm just like all these bad things about myself. And I'm like, why? I don't know why I did that for one. It gets self-pity kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but I'm like looking back and I'm like, I'm none of those things. The person who I am now, if I identified who I was 10 years ago, it probably wouldn't be quite as good as what I identify as now. 15 especially 20 years ago you know like you have to we have to work through it leaving in the past and you know on the 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 first time I started feeling emotions again was when I started writing my autobiography this was way before it was published probably a few years before I even started that process I started writing it 
and I just start the first chapter about my it's called daddy issues but it's not it's not what you would think it is you know um but it talks about different things so different things pertaining to fathers and I was just like crying just breaking down I put it away I didn't even finish I didn't even go back to the book after that for I don't know like three years just put it away it was too difficult then when I picked it back up and I started working with the publisher, she was like, but you know, like you're going to have to work through this stuff and like feel these things and, and to help yourself get to a certain point where you would talk about these things and it doesn't kill you, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it, I mean, I cried everything. I say this all the time. I cry, my eyes water, everything is ridiculous and it's annoying, but I feel emotions again. So <laughs> it's also great, you know? <laughs> I know and that's the thing you know I think it's really it's fundamental you know the level to which you can heal is the level to which you can feel your pain and it's about understanding that your pain doesn't identify you it's not wrong but what I came to realize really early on is that if I'm going to be this real estate if my body is my real estate then I'm not going to have squatters living in my real estate for free Mm -hmm. like they need a purpose to be there serving me and what I found trauma to be were literally squatters that were like shitting on the floor scraping the paint ruining the banisters burning the curtains doing their drugs like when I when I personalize my trauma that's what I get and (laughs) I realized it's like I actually have a choice because I'm keeping it there nobody's forcing me but that I am making that choice every single yeah. day that I don't choose to evict it I'm mm-hmm. making that choice and when you start realizing actually I have the choice to redecorate my house and take back my real estate you get to start looking at yourself and go what would that look like yep. what would it look like to be free of the phobias and fears that I now have because of these traumas all the restrictions on the things that I can't do because I'm still wrapped in trauma what would it look like to be able to parent my kids in a conscious way because I'm free of all the stuff that has left me in unconscious parenting? What would that yeah. look like? Yep. And then when you start to actually do it and you realize, oh my God, like I'm so powerful. Nobody's doing this for me. Nobody's taking this away for me. No amount of talk therapy, even going to other healers is going to take this away from me because what I realized very early on is that the healing journey can often look like, okay, how best can I outsource? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you will go every, you're going to self-sabotage and then you're going to outsource and outsourcing yeah. looks like, can you help me? Okay. How much do you charge? Okay. <laughs> it'll be gone by the end of the day. Right. Okay, cool. All right. It's gone for five minutes and back again. Shit. I just uh, paid that person money uh-huh. and I've got it back. And they won't give me a refund. <laughs> it's like, well, <laughs> yeah, that's what happens. <laughs> yeah. So I realized like if I was going to do it, it had to be me and it had to be authentic me. Like the amount of times that I've caught myself in my own spiritual bypassing bullshit is actually mm-hmm. quite uncanny. I'm like, look at me, I'm doing this trauma release thing. And meanwhile, I'm like, yeah, I see you. Okay, cool. You can go now. Cool. I'm done. Yeah. I'm like, really? Right. Really? Yeah. <laughs> like I've acknowledged it and it can move on. Yeah. Okay. Like that's what I said I must do. <laughs> 
And then I realized that, you know, it's not gone because the next day I'd be triggered by something that was specific to that specific trauma. I'd be like, okay, fine. Because one thing I realized was that if you are going to start trying to release your trauma, best you do it properly because otherwise the universe is going to test you and you are going to get, for example, people from your past. And this actually happened to me recently. I was like, what the hell universe? I had a, a not even. I don't even talk I, I don't even think he's a boyfriend but anyway he came up 17 years okay uh. 17 sweet years ago okay so I was in the prime of my very messy very messy teenagehood and this was a very very short-lived infatuation more from his side than mine probably lasted about two weeks eventually I ended up getting to the point where I had to ghost him and block him because he was becoming a stalker like it was hectic oh gosh pops up into my life 17 years later because he just happens to be the skateboard teacher of my son at school and I was like you've got to be shitting me so anyway he takes it as a sign of divine union of the fact that the universe is divinely orchestrated that we must now be together because in 17 years he hasn't changed or evolved or grown from the trauma of his 17 year old self yeah I have And I had to have that very difficult conversation with him when I said, listen, you need to stop speaking to me as the version of myself that I have died to tens and tens and tens of thousands of times. I am no longer that person. I said, you can't speak to me in the version that I'm holding now because you don't even know who that is. I said, but do not speak to me in the version that I was 17 years ago because I've out-evolved that chick a hundred times. Yeah. And it just goes to show what it looks like when people stay looped in their trauma, they stay the same. They become those children in adult bodies and they never progress. I was like, whoa. And the universe did that to show me, Cairns, look at your growth. Look at your growth. That you can't even any longer tolerate being treated the way that you would have accepted arms open even 10 years ago. And I was like, whoa, okay. that's pre- I, And then you also go, whoa, I allowed myself to be treated that way that's kind of sad really you know you kind of have a higher perspective on things but you're like oh sure I wasn't in a great place that my self-esteem was that low that I felt like I needed to be treated that way to feel loved like and it's kind of there's also a bit of cringe in there as well (laughs) when you start remembering how you behave you're like oh damn Uh but you know you're not going to face off with your trauma properly then just don't do it at all because the universe is going to make your life very difficult giving you the constant same kind of lessons until you do. Yeah. So face off with your trauma real in a real way. And I think the biggest thing is the fact that people often overcomplicate what that looks like. And I am so tired of people saying, no, but I can't possibly release my trauma or go to trauma counseling or coaching or whatever, because either it's too expensive or they expect me to do this and this and have this and be, you know, be this and have this and whatever. Like there's this whole long list of like 500 requirements of people before you can actually get into the A-list club of trauma release. And it's like, (laughs) what? Like it's become its own niche market that people Mm -hmm. are now being excluded from being able to do the one thing that we were inherently born to do, which is feel our emotions. Yeah. You know, like, sorry, what? Yeah. Yeah. No. And then I, when I see what some people pay to be reminded about how to breathe into their tears, I'm like, how did we get here? How did, how did the world get to this place? 
Mm-hmm. And I mean, I can see all the extenuating circumstances around that. I can see all of the programs, all of that, but wow, like generational lineage crap. Like we have passed it down. We've had it passed down and down and down and down. And it's amazing because when, I don't know about you, but when I look back in my family and I look at the lineage of like my parents and my grandparents, my great grandparents, I'm like, holy shit, we were all the same. <laughs> which is this copy paste copy paste copy mm-hmm. paste and most of the time differently. <laughs> yeah and, and most of the time the thing that we hate about ourselves we don't even realize is something that was copied and pasted or the mm-hmm. thing that we you know our 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 biggest vice or our biggest fear of what of becoming you know yeah. these can all be things that that we learn um the thing that we hate about ourselves the most or you know um and and so it's important to recognize those things too and because there's certain things about my parenting I'm like oh shit my mom does that and I hated it (laughs) but now I do it why do I do it why did she do it you know kind of thing (laughs) and the thing is I think it just comes down to the fact that Every single one of us has been gifted gifted with intuition and resonance. Like at any given point, if you are doing something and you're kind of questioning why, you can either say, "Okay, well, I'm actually going to kick that curb to the to kick that habit to the curb." Or actually, I quite like that about myself, regardless of whether it, someone says to me, "It's oh, you've inherited addiction through ancestors." Like, no, if I actually enjoy it, then who's anybody to argue with that? Because at the end of the day, the only person that I need to answer to is myself and when you realize that actually nothing is external to you not your love not your validation anything nothing is external to you because you are on this journey to create everything that you want for yourself in a place of wholeness so if you are looking outside of you to things to validate you to tell you that you're worthy tell you that you're enough give you stability financial support then there's a wound within you there's a trauma within you that's creating that yeah, And you need to take responsibility for that and realize that every time you are looking for something outside of yourself, you're placing value above yourself in someone else, which yes. means you're no longer valuing yourself. Yeah. So it's really, it's, it's actually such an easy process to recognize where we are operating out of a traumatized space. It's just yeah. not a conversation that a lot of people want to have because let's be honest, there's a lot of money to be made in pharmaceutical happy pills and commercialized psychologists and psychiatrists. There's a lot of money. So all you need to do is feel your pain and your trauma to the depths of your being and allow it to meet you in your true self. What? That's for free. And it took me five minutes. (laughs) That's a million dollars a day. You know, like, yeah, you can understand it, but it's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's the financial component is one thing. One of my factors that when I started my coaching business, my, I intended for it to eventually become a psychology practice, right? A therapy practice. One of the reasons that I decided not to do that was for one, well, $140,000 of of school was quite enough. And (laughs) You know, so I didn't want to move on to the PhD. I decided to go for another master's, but I, the, the charging, like the financial component for other people was a factor. So I, for one, I spent all this money to go to school. 
And then I have to spend all this money to get licensure for the state, right? And then, you know, whenever I put in financially to a practice, I need an office if I'm not going to just do virtual, blah, blah, blah. And then to pay for my student loans and do pay for all these things, I got to charge people a hundred or something dollars a session, right? I don't charge that much. Um, but the thing about coaching is like, we can set our own prices, right? And not to say that a therapy practice probably can't set their own pricing, but you still are going to have to charge more than yeah. I'm, I'm going to be willing to charge, you know, yeah. because so that was one of the factors. I'm like, I don't, I, I didn't decide to keep going because well, I don't want those limitations. You know what I mean? Like I can charge $15 for a session or I can charge 500, whatever I want to do, but I, I don't have to, and then dealing with insurance and, and all this is like, because so much exactly. of it is a money scheme. I don't want to be a part of that. <laughs> so I'd really just do- like sovereign, like how sovereign are you? How, how much do you serve yourself? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Again, looking at what are you seeking externally in terms of being employed by somebody else, financial security right. by someone else. And right. I realized like I actually just wanted to be sovereign. I wanted to I wanted to be everything I needed to be for myself, my own uh, financial stability, my own emotional freedom, my own authenticity. I wanted to be able to express myself however, dress however, yeah. set my hours however. And not be confined to a whole lot of programs, Mm -hmm. you know. And, you know, it's sad that people now associate, especially with like psychologists and therapies and things like, oh, no, but if you're not charging this amount, this amount, you can't be very good. Yep. That's like, that's the association we have now. It's like the more you charge, the better you are. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what happens when we do sessions for free because we're just called to does that make yeah. us shit people? Does that make us right. shit practitioners? Like, no. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> Distracts um, me insane. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk real quick about, um, oh, shoot. I, okay. So I don't think I'm going to have time to do the mom brain one today. No, it's okay. Because you another... said another time. No okay. problem at all. <laughs> um, no. <laughs> But I want to talk real quick about your website. Um, one of the yeah. things, speaking on financial uh, components, one of the things that I like about your website is that it has a price list. Um, it's one thing that I, you know, I did on mine because I'm like, well, one thing I, that annoys me is when I'm talking to somebody about a service and there's nothing about pricing. And so yeah. it kind of leads me to believe. So what you're trying to do is you're trying to sell me first, you know, I want to know, like, is it something I want to put in my budget? Um, So, um, so I I appreciate that about your website, that it has a price list. Um, Also, you are also a contributor to Brains Magazine, like myself, which is where we met. Yeah, we are Brainy Bunch. We are the good contributors. (laughs) (laughs) I'm in, yeah, yeah and then you list your services um i don't want to chop this up so (laughs) there are three different services just the three right 
the QHHD. And say the other one for me, so I don't. Screw it. Akashic, the Akashic yes. readings. Okay, well, that's how I was <laughs> gonna say it, but something told me I was like, I don't know. So there's <laughs> Akashic readings coaching, okay. and there's QHHT, Quantum yeah. Healing Hypnosis Technique. Um, yep. Te these are these are seemingly pretty different services. Um, They're very the round. Yeah, but. The QHHT and the Kashik reading, I haven't seen those before, especially Beautiful. just in coaching. So that that was really interesting to me too. Um, so if you are looking for a coach who provides you a couple of different options than just your basic coaching, this is your woman. <laughs> Bring it on. You know what? I, I absolutely love the fact that one of the best things about coaching is that you can do whatever you want. And intuitively, I say to my clients every single time, they even even when they book for a QHHT session, they'll be like, okay, so the standard session is meant to go like this. Hey. And I'm like, yeah, but does it always? <laughs> no. <laughs> because yeah. I've lost track now of how many times the session has not gone commercially by the book how it was supposed to because I am so in service of treating people intuitively as sovereign individuals so yeah. what they need on the day is going to trump any prerequisite of what i've scheduled or said it's going to be like and ultimately i always allow for whatever's meant for their highest good to come through so whether it looks like we end up doing coaching rather than qhht or we do a mix of everything that is totally okay and it really just allows me to be in flow and oh, i love it absolutely mm -hmm. absolutely love it it is just the best. <clears throat> and I mean, before that, I was just doing um, the QHHT and the Akashic readings. And mm -hmm. I realized like I, I really wanted to share a lot of what I embodied because obviously the Akashic readings I was taught, the QHHT I was taught, and I didn't have my own stamp on things. So that's when I started my quantum coaching because I was like, all right, all of the stuff that I've gone through, I need to like use it. Come on. I didn't yeah. go through 25 years of hell not to be able to relate to people and teach people about it. Um so the yeah. quantum quantum coaching was kind of formed out of that to be like, hey, I'm here, been through it, done it, on the other side of it, let's get you started. And it's just been the most beautiful journey because in that vulnerability of saying to people, I've been where you're at but I'm here now. So I'm, I'm a living, breathing example that it can be done. Do you trust me to hold that space and get you to the other side of this? And yeah. nine out of 10 times, the answer is absolutely. I'd love to. And there's nothing better than seeing people in their potential and seeing them at the end of their journey going, you, you've got everything you need now. Off you go, go fly. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's gorgeous. So, I mean, there's so many avenues that I'd love to go into, but right now I'm just really enjoying the season that I'm in and I'm sure it will branch off into, I mean, I'm originally in corporate, was from corporate. So I'd love to get into kind of corporate wellness and undoing the corporate world in terms of the way that kind of employers treat employees. <laughs> um, but yeah. that's another ball game altogether. And yeah, it's going to take quite a lot to get into that um, kind of that niche market here because South Africans are very mm -hmm. stubborn. <laughs> they love just like the the clause five of the employment act says i must do this this and this and they're very like rigid and they don't understand that it's not a robot that you've got employed for you it's actually a human being funny that right you know? 
<laughs> they have needs, they have feelings, they have things they need to process, give them the space to do that. And you'll have a much more productive human being, <laughs> which right. will be good for your business. <laughs> but I think we're seeing a shift in that in yeah, the planet as a whole, actually, everything is kind of shifting more towards offer your staff yoga before they come to work or offer them mental health days or you mm-hmm. know wellness clinics and things so I think we are slowly shifting to understanding that people need to release their trauma that they have a lot going on at home and that very often work is a safe space for them so give them the tools that they yeah. need to process what's going on at home and allow them to heal and be productive I mean you're killing like two three birds with one stone that's a terrible yeah. saying yeah. oh my gosh how is anybody killing birds and stuff? Oh, yay, yay. Let's just do that. Sometimes you have to wonder where these things come from. I'm just like, eh, right, okay. right. Well, I don't know. Maybe it was so long ago that that's all they had to do was just throw stones at things. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> no, we need some new ones. Yeah. <laughs> That's for sure. Oh, I really yeah. appreciate your time so much. I know that you've got another call to go to. I know. Um, I- thank you. It felt so <laughs> organic and easy. And yeah, God, I could talk to you for hours and hours and hours and hours. <laughs> I have a proposition for you on that, but I'll I'll email you shortly, um, and uh, we'll set up the the other one. But um, for yeah. now, let everybody know where they can find you. So I've got my obviously my Instagram handle is at Candace.toza and then I've got my website which is Memonese, which means to remember in Latin, memonese.me. So it translates to to remember me. Oh nice. <laughs> nice. Thought out of. Yeah, because you know everybody loves a different website. Nobody can yeah. ever get hold of my website because it's not com. <laughs> shot myself in the foot with that one but anyways it's an <laughs> oh, oh, all right thank you so well, much for such a beautiful chat and i'm sure we'll speak soon 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 but you must get a bit of a breather before your next call otherwise you're yeah. just gonna be in a flat end go I'm throw sure. the rest of the dinner in the crock pot real quick <laughs> yeah no fires no burnt dinner right right <laughs> oh, all right we'll chat soon and yeah have a beautiful rest of your day see you you too. Thank you. Check us out on YouTube at Rhea Hakes, R-E-A-H-H-A-G-U-E-S. You can also keep up with us on Instagram at Just the Who Podcast and Facebook at Philology. Oh.